Lob it up to Rudy, put it down. Mitchell three. Yes! The rookie comes alive! Hello, everybody, and welcome to Hashtag Jazz. My name is Jason Walker. I am so happy that football's almost over. <laughs> and that is a very happy Trey Sanders. And uh, <laughs> I, I'm also kind of glad that football is getting close to over, but my team is still in it. So we'll see how it goes. I could be very happy come next week. I could be very disappointed. Um. I just, know, I just hope they all lose. Just hope they all lose. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. That might be possible. We'll see. <laughs> if the Patriots won it and Tom Brady retired, then maybe they'd lose, I guess. Or if Bill Belichick left, like all the rumors have been. Yeah. Well, we're about a minute in and we haven't talked a second of basketball, so <laughs> I guess we can try and get into it. Um, so obviously with the Jazz, it, it's been a very, uh, interesting week, I'll have to say. I didn't think we'd ever manage to find a way to not talk about Donovan Mitchell, but we're probably not going to mention him a whole lot, um, yeah. <laughs> other than what I just did right there. Because, <clears throat> like, last week, and it was like right after we did our podcast, um, because we were talking about trades, and we were both like, well, we don't know, because we're not GMs, we're not involved in this. Um, I had a few ideas, different guys who might go after. I kind of like Jabari Parker. And then hours after we recorded the podcast, um, the rumors come out that Nikola Mirotic is wanting to be traded. And not only that, a tweet started flying that the Jazz were one of the places that Mirotic said he wanted to go. And that the Jazz were also interested. So all this happened that... Here's a the almost the perfect trade target because he fits what we're looking for. He's a stretch four. He can rebound. He's not that bad of a defender. And he's on the trade market. And it you know everybody's just been flying around trying to figure out how we can get this done. And he can't be traded until tomorrow, which is why nothing's really happened. But it's just been very crazy for me and you know all Jazz fans going to to bed after having watched, you know, 20 minutes of Nikola Mirotic highlights, dreaming of the day that he'll be in a jazz jersey. Yeah, I mean, it, it's perfect for what we need now. And uh, he's, he's that stretch four that favors can't be. And um, if he does go to Chicago, I mean, I feel bad for him to just kind of be stuck on a team that's without a doubt rebuilding but I mean, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, I mean this this dude's a fifty nine is effective field goal percentage this year is fifty nine point eight percent. Could do a little bit better on the free throw line at seventy five percent. Um, Forty six from three though that stands out a ton, especially because if we do get him, that is going to be his primary um, option is shooting that three ball. Yeah, and I think the Jazz could very easily use them. They love that corner three, and for a power four, that's where you can kind of sit in there and just start chucking up threes all day long. And Yeah, it's basically like because we've had uh, Derebko, he's been the main guy we've tried to throw in there is the stretch four, and we've seen a lot of success and a lot of you know offensive growth with Derebko, and he's a fringe starter, like barely could be, can pull off the idea of being a starter. And... 
uh, Miritic, although he's only actually started three games this season, but he's shown that he can produce and he can be a starter and he's better at rebounding, uh, shooting obviously, and just scoring overall because he's scoring 17 points per game and not all of that is coming from the three. He's shown he's able to actually put the ball on the ground a little bit and get to the basket, which is something he hasn't shown in previous years because this year has actually been a real um, a breakout season for him, which there's a bit of worry in me that uh, he's just kind of this little burst and he's showing how good he can be, but then it'll regress to the mean. Because when you look at his career averages, they're a lot lower. Um, I mean, he never shot... He never shot above 40%. Uh, like, last year, he shot 34% from three. And he was scoring 10 points per game. And just, it's it's such an explosion. You have to expect that his three-point percentage will go down at some point. But still, even if it does go down to, like, 40%, that's still what the Jazz are looking for. And it's still going to be something good that... Uh, absolutely. I mean, the the key for them right now is to get that floor stretched and the it, the way that he would fit in with the way that, I mean, what was it? Uh, they The Jazz put up 35 three-pointers on Friday, or was that Saturday? That was Friday. Um, so they're shooting more and more from behind the arc. Kind of feel like they're falling in love with it, but if you have Mirtich out there stretching that floor and he's got an open look, I mean more chances than not that thing's going down <clears throat> yeah and that's definitely something the jazz need and pairing him up next to to rudy gobert when whenever he comes back and assuming some trade were to happen then that would definitely make the jazz a very potent offense and it would free up rudy for the you know last year he had a lot of he was able to do some good things on offense and that he was able to do some good pick and rolls um and and really dominate inside a lot um not a lot, but a little bit, you know, to the tune of like 12 points per game. But he was one of the most efficient players on offense last year. And I believe having a guy who can stretch the floor could free up Rudy. It would really free up Ricky Rubio. Um, I think he would be perhaps the biggest beneficiary of this trade. Uh, yeah. Because you know, the inside would be a lot freer for him, which is really the only place that he can score. And it would give him a guy to pass to. Um, who would be able to hit open shots and it would be somebody who um, that he can trust. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Miritich has good hands too. He's very good at keeping that ball and focusing on the catch and then the, sh and then the shot. So, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, uh, I think Rubio will definitely hook him up a lot because especially with the scheme of things, they're trying to shoot those threes. I mean, I've seen – Rodney Hood take better three-point shots because Rubio is I, – I, I know it's uh, probably – I've been giving him a lot of shit, but he seems to be doing a lot better at controlling the offense than he has all season this last, like, five games. Talking about Rubio or uh, – Yeah, Rubio. Yeah, I think he has done better, and so I think, you know, maybe if the Jazz can make a – a post-All-Star break push with Miritic. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, there's obviously the notion of of getting Miritic. Is, is it Miritic or Miritich? Miritich. Miritich. Okay. 
this, this pronunciation the names are getting way too hard for me. Yeah. Especially uh, Giannis, the kid out of Milwaukee. He's going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> make, a game of, make a game out of trying to pronounce his name, and he's going to be a star. He's pretty much already a star. But Yeah. <clears throat> so the thing is that the Bulls are asking for a first-round pick. Um, and obviously that's something that the Jazz are not giving up in 2018, maybe down the line. Um, it, so it begs the question, is Miritich – almost said Miritic again. Is it is he worth a first round pick? Um giving up, let's say, Derek Favors and a first round take first round pick. And maybe the Jazz include some sort of salary dump. I've heard Alec Burke's name thrown around as a salary dump. Um, I mean just it, it makes you wonder if it's worth it. Is this guy worth a, a first round pick? And would the Bulls be willing to give him up for let's say just Derek favors well <clears throat> from what I've heard the Bulls want a first round pick regardless they want you know that's them that's the part of their rebuild is they want that first round pick so I, if the Jazz pull the trigger on this whether it's just giving up a pick and some money or giving them favors in the pick I don't know, but I mean, it's th giving up the first round pick is is uh, not something that I see Dennis Lindsay really doing as a long term goal. I mean, that's that's instant gratification for um, them, where they're filling that void that Favors can't fill um, as much as they want him to. But you're also it's it's a tough situation because if if the Jazz come draft time don't have that first round pick and we miss out on someone because we traded away that pick that could be another building block for us to um, stand on then that sucks but we also have you know there's something else that I was reading something else about um, possibly getting Joe Johnson out of here just so that and it hasn't been said. It looked like speculation completely, but a good option for him would to be, and I think we even talked about this uh, last week or the week before, where if you get rid of Joe Johnson, you got to give him to a team that's going to be making a push for, you know, a championship, and that's something he's gonna want, and that's why we signed him with uh, with us last season was to make that push with Hayward, and then, of course, Hayward left. And so I think, if anything, it would be a good grace to give Joe Johnson the opportunity to go somewhere to make a push because he only has so many years left anyways. But then that begs the question, okay, well, what happens if Joe Johnson's gone? Then you get to have people like Royce O'Neal, um, I would say Tabo Cephalosha, but he's injured now, um, you know, A.B., would love to see Tony Bradley make it into the rotation. I mean, it really just—it's a weird situation right now. Like, if if the Jazz do pull uh, the trigger on this, awesome. But come drafts, uh, come draft and off-season time, I mean, it's gonna be—it's gonna be a weird thing to witness. Yeah, and, and if Lindsey does end up getting rid of that pick, there's definitely gonna be some protections on it, but. Um, I think whether or not Chicago gets a first-round pick for Miritic, which I think is 
We talked about a, a small sample size. He's played 18 games this year. and Well, they also weren't expecting Bobby Portis to punch him in the face. Yeah. that's <laughs> So it's, it's not so much the injury, it's just the small sample size. Um, obviously, he hasn't proven himself injury-prone unless he's a real jerk. Then maybe he'll get punched in the face again. But, <laughs> yeah. But it'll be interesting uh, if they get the first-round pick. I think it'll really depend on the market because obviously they're looking to trade him. Um, but if you know the the market just uh, just doesn't want to do anything, they they don't offer him offer the Bulls a first-round pick. So I know I've, I've heard the the Pistons are also interested, and there's probably some other team that we haven't heard of or multiple teams. If none of them offer a first-round pick, then the Bulls might have to. You know, lower their expectations and say, you know what, hey, maybe we'll take a, you know, a heavily protected first-round pick that is essentially destined to become a, a pair of second-round picks. That would probably be the ideal situation for the Jazz, is to be giving away like a top-20 uh, protected pick and then, you know, goes down the line and becomes a pair of second-round picks in like 2021. Um, and that's really probably the only way the Jazz fans will be satisfied um, in giving away likely Derek Favors. Because you have to get rid of Derek Favors. That's the only way this trade will work. Because yeah. otherwise you're creating an enormous logjam. Um, and yeah, that, that's half the thing with this trade is that you're getting rid of Derek Favors and the problems that he brings to the lineup. As much as I love the guy, we've... We've talked extensively about the problems that he brings to the lineup, and then we bring in Miritic. He's able to solve those problems and fill most of the role that Derek Favors had and you know, tie the roster together a lot better and the lineups, obviously, and make the Jazz more effective on offense. But Right. It would, it would definitely help on the offensive end. But then there's that, you know, it comes down to that. I mean, I really don't think, okay, Miritic is good, but I don't think he's uh, – worthy of trading away a player and a first round pick. Yeah, and that and that's where I've seen I've I've been clawing around um some Bulls blogs and I've tried to get an idea of what Bulls fans are expecting. It's hard to get some accuracy because they are fans and so they're talking about, hey let's get Derek Favors, Dante Exum and a first round pick. Yay and it's like, no, that's not happening. Yeah, you're like, reaching for the moon at that point. It's like you could maybe have one of those things for Miritich. Um, right. It's yeah, one or the other. And so and obviously there's some some of that on our side, it's like, yeah, we'll just give up Derek Favors. Well the Bulls kinda want a little bit more. Because Derek Favors is in a very tricky situation. We talked about this last time where he's he's too good to acquire just for the fact that his contract is expiring, but you know, his contract is expiring so it's hard to deal him because if he doesn't re-sign, you've wasted an investment. Right. So it, it's hard to just deal Derek Favors for Miritich straight up, um, although I do think that Favors might re-sign with Chicago if they're able to do something in the short term and turn around a little bit. Um, or if Favors kind of wants to re-sign a one-year kind of prove-it deal to earn himself some more money. I don't know if he would have to do that, though, because scouts throughout the NBA, it doesn't matter what team it is, he would fit in a lot of te- and fit with a lot of teams. A lot of teams would want to give him a ton of money. Yeah, it depends. It depends on 
injury. And, yeah, I do agree that he would fit on pretty much any team as a starting center because um, he has a lot of skills that people covet um, as, mm-hmm. as a big man. Um, oh, yeah, and I mean, yeah, he's still like he's that old school. He's that old school player for sure. But uh, there's there's he just holds a lot of value. Yeah, and that and that injury thing is really the only thing that's holding him back. But I think that for the most part, he's overcome that, and he's still only about twenty six, twenty six, twenty seven years old. So he's still young enough that he can fit in with just about every team. So so we'll we'll see how that uh, plays out. I mean. Like I said, Monday is the first day that anything can really happen. I don't know exactly when that uh, that deadline strikes. I don't know if it's like 12 a.m. you know Eastern time on a Monday morning, or maybe it's like a middle of the day deadline. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, I, I would say it's a safe bet that it's at midnight. And even then, it's not likely. This isn't like the first day of free agency where everything happens in the first five hours. Um, this will probably be something that plays out over the week. And and we'll find out truly whether or not the Jazz are interested, whether or not the Bulls are willing to lower their offer, or whether the teams are willing to come up to the Bulls' offer. Um, for sure. This will be, be an interesting test for Dennis Lindsay because historically he's best – in free agency and draft night than he is in regular season moves. Yeah, and if he does make this move, I think it'll definitely signal that the Jazz are trying to make um, some sort of playoff push, especially if they go up and they give up a first-round pick. I think uh, Lindsey will kind of play his hand saying, I want to make the playoffs now and, and this year. And it's an interesting debate because – the Jazz are at this this point in the season where you can either try and go for a tank, you know, just play it out, play your young talent with whatever talent we have left that's healthy, and just try and get that experience um, and just play for the future, get a good draft pick, add that, and then go from there. You know, there's also the option that maybe we can make a playoff push. We're not too far out. Um I haven't quite looked at the standings yet. I'm pulling them up right now, actually. Yeah, so am I. It's not an unreachable goal. It is possible. It's It would be very hard. The Jazz would have to put together a very good stretch of games. Now, they are about four and a half games out, so it's actually not that bad. It's doable over the second half of the season. We're like, I think we're right at the halfway point, maybe just beyond. Um. The Denver Nuggets are currently in eighth, and the Portland Trailblazers and New Orleans Pelicans are basically right there with them um, in being 12 and 12 and a half games behind the Warriors. The Jazz are 17 games behind the Warriors. So and the Phoenix is right on our heels. Wow. Yeah, they're just, <laughs> they're, they're just a game and a half behind us. That's really sad. Yeah. It's like the Suns are right there. Right. So it is definitely possible for the Jazz to make the playoffs, but the question is, is it worth it? Um, and I, I think there are definitely some advantages to making the playoffs. I talked last week about a winning culture and how that can be so important, and that the Jazz don't have a winning culture right now. They did back in the Stockton and Malone days. They had a winning culture. They were always going to win. It was just they made the playoffs for like 20 straight years. And yeah. That was just who they are. The Spurs are an example of a team with a winning culture. They've had Kawhi Leonard for, what, five games this year? 
and they're in third place in the West. I don't, I don't actually know how many games Kawhi has played. But they're third in the West despite not having their superstar. I mean, take James Harden off of, off of the Rockets. Are they the second seed? I mean, they'd still mm-hmm. be in the playoff run. They have Chris Paul. Yeah, I think they'd be in the same spot they were uh, as the Clippers were last year, you know, four and five. Yeah, and, and you took the Chris Paul off the off the Clippers, and they're now out of the playoffs at the moment. They're a half game out of the playoffs, and they're an absolute wreck, um, at least compared to the last few years. Uh, not compared to us, though. Yeah, well, they're doing better than us, but... No... Yeah, but we lost Gordon Hayward and George Hill, and I think we'd begun to build a bit of a winning culture with those, um, well, with at least Gordon Hayward. But then obviously we we lost that, and we've just completely, obviously, gone to crap. Um, yeah. And so there's a, a bit of an argument to be made that, yeah, let's try and say we're winners. We don't tank. Uh, we don't just... You know, we don't try and get that number one pick. We don't do the Philadelphia 76ers trust the process, which I think has hurt them because they haven't established a winning culture for themselves either. Yeah. Um, and so and it would also keep the coaches happy. I've actually heard a bit of a, a rumor going around that the Jazz uh, coaching staff and um, front office don't necessarily agree on the direction they should be taking this season, whether or not to – try and go for a rebuild or, you know, go for the playoffs. Um, the coaches obviously are trying to win. The players are trying to win. So they're trying to make ex- make uh, some incentives, you know, things like that in their contracts. And the front office is like, well, we're not getting anything from the playoffs. And they're wanting to go for the rebuild. So, you know, going That's true. I mean, because if we make the playoffs um, – we're playing either Golden State or Houston first round. Uh, at this point, I'd, I'd say it's safe to say that Golden State would be the first team we play if we get into the eighth seed. Um, but it is something that, like you said, with the winning culture, it'd be like we don't back down. We're gonna we're gonna make a push for this. Plus, that would be goodwill to Donovan Mitchell. That would be goodwill to Rudy Gobert. That would be goodwill to the entire roster. Like, we are not giving up on this season. We are not giving up on you guys. Plus, it would be really, really good experience for Donovan Mitchell to go into the playoffs, probably just get destroyed. But for him to get a taste of the playoffs his rookie year would be awesome for him and his growth. And there is a, a possible reward if, by some miracle, and this probably wouldn't happen, but if by some miracle we were able to pull off a win over the Warriors or if we managed the seventh seed, the Rockets, then that would be just as much of a, a big push because not only would we have made the playoffs, give Donovan Mitchell a, a taste of the playoffs, but he'd get a win in the playoffs. Because we had this thing yeah. earlier, um, I think uh, Derek Favors and Gordon Hayward. Maybe it was just Derek Favors. They, they made the playoffs. We did it against the Spurs. We got swept. So it was technically playoff experience, but it was four games and out. Um, but Derek Favors actually benefited because he actually played pretty well in that series. Um, oh, when we had uh, Al Jefferson? Yeah, it was uh, Big Allen, Paul Millsap. So Derek Favors was technically coming off the bench. Yeah. But 
Yeah, he came off the bench and had some some really good moments in that in that series. But you know, on the other hand, the the argument for the the tank don't make the playoff push. Um, you get a good draft pick, and going forward, we know we're not winning the championship this year or next year or the year after that. Um, we're looking to rebuild and build talent around Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and probably Dante Exum. Um, I'd really like to uh, pick the brains of the Jazz front office and find out what they truly think of Dante Exum. Um, but I think we'll definitely find out this offseason because uh, his contract is, is expiring. So I think we'll see what they think of him. But, <coughs> I mean, with those those two or three, we're trying to rebuild around them. And, you know, going all out for the playoffs, that pulls us out of the lottery. That puts us probably around the, oh, hard to predict this, this season and standings, but probably in the range of 15 to, to 18, depending on how the Eastern Conference standings uh, round out. Um, you know, that's a jump from being probably the 14th pick to the 18th pick since the West typically has higher records. <coughs> um, so you'd lose several draft spots, which could be a killer, all for the purpose of getting swept in four games. And so there, there is the question of, is that truly worth it? And we can talk about playoff experience and winning culture, but some would say, well, you get swept in the playoffs, that doesn't uh, establish it. <coughs> doesn't establish anything. And the argument for better talent is certainly a strong one because you go down four spots in the draft and you can go from solid player to bust in no time at all. Yeah, but I, even still, I mean, the lottery is still, I mean, yeah, it favors teams that were in the lowest percentile and wins, but even still, your chances of getting like a, you know, a five or a six pick are still pretty slim. I mean, I don't even – I would have to go way back into the history book, but I don't even think the Jazz have ever got, like, anything in a five or four range ever. I think the only thing they've gotten is uh, Darren Williams. I think they got him in, like, three, though. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah, because uh, the Hornets took him at the second pick, didn't they? I don't recall exactly – I think they did do a bit of a trade um, that involved Chris Paul. Huh. That may not be entirely correct. Um, could always look it up, but <clears throat> yeah, that's really the the best draft pick they've gotten out of somebody that high. Because um, Malone and Stockton were both in the the teens. I think Stockton was like twelve, and Malone was thirteen, or maybe vice versa. Um, but huh. they got Don, they got Dante at the five. Or, yeah, at five. Um, Mitchell, obviously, at 13. Gobert at 27. So, yeah, you are right that they can definitely get some uh, some talent. I think trading up would also be an option. We, we traded up to get Mitchell this year. <laughs> yeah, but if it happens to be Denver, I don't think they'll do it. This, I don't think they'll do it this time. <laughs> we got Rudy and Donovan from him, so... They're, they're probably hanging up every time they see Dennis Lindsay. Uh, Dennis Lindsay. Yeah. Dennis Lindsay's calling. Hang it up now. <laughs> who are they asking for? I'm now, done talking to that guy. Just be like, who are they asking for so we know who our most valuable assets are? 
yeah. thanks, yeah. Denver. We appreciate it. Oh, uh, we'll 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 owe Denver a lot. But yeah, had, seriously. Got, Trey Lyle's doing all right, so they sort of got something. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure they would take Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell over Trey Lyle's any day of the week, and they can't have them now. Right. Well, they got they got Paul Millsap. But you know, before that injury, man, I was ta- I was pulling for Paul Millsap to come back to Utah. That would be so awesome. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of those guys that I would welcome back. There's some guys that leave and they're like, yeah, whatever. They come back. I probably wouldn't like it. Um, Paul Millsap was one of those players I'd like to see back. Demar Carroll was another guy um, that I really liked. Wes Matthews. Um, yeah. And, and by the end, I was kind of hoping that D. Will would come back. Um, so I'd kind of moved on from from disliking him. But yeah, well, I mean, you kind of feel bad for him because he played like shit in the finals, and he has a ring. Or no, he doesn't have a ring, anyways. But anyways, bittersweet. <laughs> yeah, his his career tanked after he left Utah. Yeah, well, deservedly so. Yeah, he he did get rid of one of the best coaches of all time. Yep. So the curse of Jerry Sloan, we can call it. Oh, that, I don't like that. <laughs> that just sounds like the title of a horror movie, The Curse of Jerry Sloan. The Curse of Jerry Sloan and Alzheimer's. Ugh. Wait, Alzheimer's didn't? I thought that was Hot Rod Hunley. Oh, I I don't know what it, or dementia. That's what it is, not Alzheimer's. Yeah. Well, anyway, so it will be very curious how the rest of this season pans out. Because obviously, if the Jazz put together a good stretch, they're right back in the playoff race. And especially if they get Miritich, because that I think is the key. You get Miritich in, and the Jazz, the offense will hopefully fit better. You can never guarantee. That's always the trickiest thing. You know, I'll say this with, with trades and free agency is they seem to work in a vacuum. But you know when we think of it, we think of it as a vacuum, and you just take this player, he averages 17 points per game, 46 from three. We stick him on the Jazz. That's what they need, and it works. But so often it just doesn't work that way. Because, I mean, George Hill, he came from the Pacers, was like a 12 points per game guy, comes to the Jazz, averages 17, shoots 40-something percent from three, is a, has the best year of his career, and then he leaves, he goes back to sucking with the Kings. And so you never know, Miritich could come in and just average eight points per game, eight rebounds, shoot 34% from three, and just completely suck. So. That is true. I mean, he is. He. I don't know if he's the number one uh, option on offense in Chicago right now, but he's definitely at the top of their go-to players on offense. Yeah, I think when he's he he comes off the bench and he averages about twenty-five minutes a game, but when he's on the floor, I think he is one of the 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 top guys on offense. Um, at least that they turn to. So, and, and but even in uh, Utah, he wouldn't be the the number one guy. He'd be like number three, maybe number two or number three. Um, I'm trying to find Chicago Bulls. There they are. Because I don't think he's there. 
points per game leader. Oh, he is their points per game leader. Uh, Larry Markinen, if that's how you say his name, since I can't pronounce names these days. Uh, he's behind Miritich. He averages like six more minutes per game. But again, Miritich has only played 18 games, so he hasn't had a chance to really have an impact on the everybody else's points per game totals. Yeah, that's true. And then you look at his career average. He's 36 from three, uh, 41 for from the floor. That's not bad. Um, yeah, and, it's, and you think you might say that 40% is bad for a big man, but he is shooting almost exclusively threes. Um, and that's yeah. really why it's that. So that's why I agree with you in saying that's not bad uh, for him. If Derek Favors or Rudy Gobert shot that from the field, I'd say that was terrible. <laughs> but yeah, well, his three point percentage is gonna be better than Derek Favors' ever will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be fine. Derek Favors has some good games though. He's had a couple of games where he's shot a hundred percent from three. Yeah, was that twice? Yeah, maybe twice, maybe. <laughs> I'd I'd have to look at it. But yeah, yeah. that is just it's kind of a, a word of the wise or buyer beware is that the likelihood of getting this 17 points per game guy is not very high. Um, I guess there is a possibility that he walks in and becomes a 20-point-per-game guy, but I really don't see that happening. Um, but he'll likely regress to the mean, but I think I can live with that so long as we're not giving up too much for him. Because um, if we're giving up a first-round pick, that we're probably going to end up losing like a, if it's like a, a top-10 protected then we're essentially losing the first round pick and we're getting a guy who might average 15 points per game in a sub 40 uh, from three point range, which wouldn't be worth it in my mind, especially if we don't make the playoffs. Cause that's really probably the main reason we'd be getting him for is to try and make a playoff push. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, now that Tavo's out, I, d- Thinking about it, I don't know if it's possible without Cephalosha. Cephalosha has been awesome this uh, in a Jazz uniform, and to see him go out with a season-ending surgery just really sucks. I mean, he's an important piece to what the Jazz were doing this year. You lost someone with a player efficiency rating of 16.2, uh, effective field goal percentage of 55, 81% from the free throw line. Um, putting up high 38% from three, 49 uh, from the field, and 8.2 points per game and 4.2 rebounds. I mean, that's – you talk about a role player. That's right there. We just lost that. Yeah, very very under-the-radar the kind of guy. And, you know, I, I, I agree that I think that that would make a – big impact on the, the playoff possibilities. That's 21 minutes per game of, like you said, effective play. You know, he's he's not putting up 20-point games, but he's being effective. Yeah, he's doing he's doing a lot of things to help. I mean, one of those is um, kind of mentoring Donovan in a way. And he's, and he's been an energy guy from the from the get-go, man. He's just been all over the place. His long, his long arms help it so he can uh, alter shots or get stops. 
Yeah, he's been yeah really good on defense, and I think he's done a lot more on offense than I expected him to. I kind of expected him to come in and just be this guy that would play defense, and if he, he added any sort of offense, it would just kind of be gravy. But he's been surprisingly good. I mean, I think he's averaging a career high in points. And, you know, one of his he's having one of his better years from three-point range, from the free throw line. Um, so I, I, I do think that he's been a, a pretty good surprise and a really good find from Dennis Lindsay. So obviously oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it'll hurt. And you wonder who's going to pick up that slack because maybe you give probably more of his minutes go to Alec Burks. Um, Jarebko will probably get some of those. O'Neal is definitely a candidate. He'll probably pick up the largest amount of Cephalosha's minutes. And he rightfully should, man. Uh, Royce O'Neal, the past two games especially, has just been awesome. Uh, he was making things happen. I mean, the last game out, he got a double-double, 11 points, 10 rebounds. Um, his plus, he, was, he was dead even on his stat line, but he was plus 10 against Washington. Yeah, and yet the 10 points, 4 rebounds there as well and shot 100% from the field in that yeah. game. So, yeah, I think he would definitely deserve that. But he, obviously, like you said, uh, Cephalosha's injury plays into whether or not the Jazz should make a playoff push because without him it might not be possible, um, even if they get Miritich. But, again, it's it's – this is why this has been such an interesting week. So much has happened in that, you know, this is probably the most important, you know, probably like two or three week stretch of the entire Jazz season in that everything hinges right here. This is the decision, whether or not we try and make a playoff push, whether or not we try and tank. We might move major pieces from our team. Um, we've had injuries that have probably determined a little bit the future of our season with Cephalosha. And obviously Rudy Gobert's been injured, and he keeps staying injured. He keeps getting evaluated, and they keep telling us one more week, one more week. Pretty soon it's April. Yeah. One more week. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to take it. you got to be safe about that. You can't just rush him back in, you know, especially when you are the key piece of the whole team. Yeah. and And I, and I can definitely get behind the – the um the caution because you know obviously we don't want him to get re here because I think maybe we rushed him back a little too quick last time because he didn't quite seem all the way there and then he got re hurt all getting re injured there still wasn't his fault it wasn't really a result of getting him back too quickly but I and I think again keeping Rudy out plays into whether or not the front office wants to go for the playoff because the longer you keep Rudy out the more games the Jazz will lose and the essentially the less likely it is to make the playoffs so there's just so much playing into this debate and again even inside the Jazz um, front office and all that there's debate on what they should be doing um, ultimately I think the front office wins and I think the Jazz will ultimately go for the uh, the tank, although it'll be kind of a stealth tank, because the Jazz don't do tanking. Yeah, I mean, it, these guys, whether or not the record is indicative of how poor they are, it's 
just ridiculous. I mean, they still they're still going out and playing and they're hanging in these games, but they're just they hurt themselves late with these turnovers or they do it early and they just can't recover. I mean, the Jazz aren't a bad team as much as their record shows that they are, but also 4-18 and 18 on the road isn't good either. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if I've ever seen the Jazz intentionally tank for anything. No, they never really have. The closest they came was that year when they just started all their young guys and said, yeah, we're probably going to suck this year, but it'll be worth it because we're playing all of our young talent. They're getting better. We'll get a good draft pick, and we'll get all the experience. And I think that's probably the kind of thing that they might go for this year. I mean, they've already started to play Donovan Mitchell, and they'll continue to play him. And maybe they'll try and showcase some players for trades, although I don't really think the Jazz have ever done that either that I know of. Um, yeah. But I, I think the word that Dennis Lindsay, I think I've heard him use to describe this year is a pivot in that they're trying to go from the Gordon Hayward, the the team they're trying to build with Gordon Hayward, to this team that is now going to be featuring Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end and Rudy Gobert on the defensive end, This uh, you know, and trying to fill in with all these different players. And I can kind of get behind that, that we don't really need to go for that number one, number two pick, because we have a guy, finally, that I believe can be the number one option on a team. I never quite felt that way about Gordon Hayward. He came really close to making me feel that way, that he could be a number one option on a great team. But Mitchell, I believe he can be the kind of star that we can build around. So we just need these, you know, the the fill-in players, the glue guys, the Tabocephalosias, the, you know, all these different guys we can just fill in, the, the, the Nikola Mirotic kind of guys that fill out the rest of your team and give you a playoff team. Yeah, totally. And Dennis Lindsay would be an idiot to not pull out all of the stops to make Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert happy at all costs. Because Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are the future of this franchise, bar none. You, like, give Donovan Mitchell everything that you possibly can. I don't know, wash his car if you want to. Like, you have to keep him here, and you have to build that winning culture around him. Because if he is if he is not happy, he whether or not he is humble and uh, is focused on getting better, it will come to a point that if then hypothetically the Jazz keep having losing seasons for the next two to three years, he's not going to stay. That's just the way it is. Yeah, I think the key is just. I mean, I think I think both of us kind of agree that we should probably just end up, um, you know kind of just ride the season out and probably end up with the maybe a lottery pick, maybe try and get to the playoffs. But next year will be the key in that we need to make a push for the playoffs definitely next year. Um, try and get the guys either by trade or free agency and at least make the playoffs. That'll at least get Donovan Mitchell happy. You know, it took us till Gordon Hayward's essentially seventh or eighth year before we finally made the playoffs and did something there. And I think that definitely cost us with Hayward. And so yeah. if we can try and get that out of the way early with Mitchell, it's like, hey, we're in the playoffs. You're a sophomore in the NBA. Um, then we can keep Mitchell. And, I mean, Rudy Gobert is going to be coming up on some contracts in the next few years. I think I think we have like three years left on his deal. 
but for as much as we love Rudy, he's the guy who really wants to win. He well would not be happy with the tank. He's a fiery guy who wants to win and is a leader. And so losing would obviously not make him happy either. No, I, I mean, naturally, no one's going to be happy with losing all the time. But no, I mean, it's it's it. Maybe it is one of those things you just kind of don't tank, but just keep playing and do what you can. Just wait it out and see what happens or see what you can pull off in free agency and the off season and piece this team back together. Cause like I said, we're not bad. We have good pieces. They're just, there's, you know, getting Miritich would be something of a good grace gesture to both Donovan and, and Rudy Gobert. Be like, look, we're willing to go get this guy and give up this pick to get him so that you guys can start building camaraderie right now and into next year. And then next year we can get some other pieces and really flesh this thing out. Yeah. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on roster building because that will be the, the biggest key for the next couple of years is how this roster is built around Donovan Mitchell, Mooney Gobert. Cause you talked about this, while back, this roster was built around Gordon Hayward, and Donovan Mitchell's not Gordon Hayward, so it has to be a, a very different team. So we'll keep an eye on on roster building. Yeah, I I do not like. I'm sure that Dennis Lindsay loves his job, but I do not envy the position he has found himself in this year. Like, yeah. not at all. <laughs> yeah, he's. Definitely a, a non-enviable enviable job in terms of what he has to do. Um, but that'll that'll wrap it up for us here. Um, thanks so much for for listening. And I actually felt a lot better. Last week I was I felt kind of sick. And I went back and listened to the recording and I sounded like a sick dog. I probably <laughs> still sounded a little bit like that this week. I just kind of sometimes have a boring voice. But I think I sounded a little more excited today. You do, yeah. No, there's a lot, there's a lot more life in you. Yeah, so hopefully you guys won't be uh, bored. I hope you weren't bored listening to last week. Um, but, yeah, th- th- of course, this whole week has just been more exciting. And I think that's why part of it, why it sounded better, is just so much more is happening. The history of the jazz is being written as we speak. And Indeed. maybe it will be written tomorrow anew. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know what? Whether or not we get Mirtich or whatever – I just wanted next week. I want to talk about some wins. You know, we got the next out of the next five games. Only one of them is a road game. So I want to I want to talk about some wins next week. Let's let's have some of that jazz. Okay, thanks. All right. Well, hopefully, we'll <laughs> talk about some wins. Maybe some Donovan Mitchell thirty point games. Uh, maybe even a return of Rudy Gobert. Who knows? Who knows? Let's we'll see. But anyway, thanks again so much for listening. That sentence sounded weird. Um, again, my name my name is Jason Walker. I'm Trey Sanders. <laughs> thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.